Hi. I um I wrote a series of short essays in October of last year and they felt like one of the first times that I got to sit down and write something that felt like a confluence of things just making sense, things that I have learned, things that I know to be true, uh, things that I love, and just information coming together in a way that felt really natural. And I really wanted to share this, um, and I didn't really know where to do that. So I posted it on the blog. And forgive me for being extremely self-indulgent with this, but I love to read. (laughs) aloud and I love to be read too. And so I thought maybe I could offer this on the website as something that you also could listen to because maybe you also like being read too. It's called Knitting is Our Love Language, a series of short essays on caretaking through making. A quick note about diction. I use knitting here because it is the medium I am most familiar with, but please substitute crochet or your preferred making medium. How and what you make with is valid. Essay one, we knit to care for ourselves. If you've been knitting for some time, you've probably had well-intended friends and family members post links on your Facebook wall about the quote, health benefits of knitting. This New York Times piece, written in 2016, has appeared at least four times on my own personal wall and a handful of other times in my direct messages. And it's true. Countless studies, particularly in recent years, have shown the neurological benefits of knitting. From stress and addiction management to chronic pain, knitting is cited as a key player in recovery and healing. You only need to browse the comment sections of any of these articles and it's clear that the notion of knitting as healing is widespread. I love that my friends and family members want to help me prove that my ostensibly sometimes obsessive interest in knitting is valid, healthy even. To be honest, in the case of how knitting makes me feel and whether it's valid that I spend many hours working on it weekly, I didn't really need scientific studies or New York Times articles to back it up, though I appreciate the scientific validation. Chances are, if you're reading this, you are, at least in some small way, a maker, and you might have a sense for what I'm talking about here. It's the feeling that you get when you cast on a new project, the sense that perhaps anything actually is possible. And I don't mean that in a grand sort of way, just in this simultaneously humbling and inspiring way. You possess these appendages on your body that can turn what is essentially a piece of string into a functional wearable object. And the cast-on is, I think, the most potent time for this realization of possibility. As you progress and this object starts to take shape, you have visible, tangible proof that you are indeed very capable. There's something to that, especially for millennials, and especially in this remarkably digital age. The ability to physically manifest cloth that is practical, warm, and beautiful feels particularly relevant when most of us work on computers, maybe even remotely, on projects that will never have a physical presence in the world. When we exist so much on the internet, these points of contact with the quote, real world, take on more weight. Of course, 
With the incredible diversity of the making community, there comes a wonderful diversity of personal experience and reasons for making, but I'd argue that this diversity is united in commonalities, the way in which we're all navigating the human condition. We find ourselves drawn to knitting not just because it's rad to wear something you've made, although it definitely is, and somehow 10 plus years into knitting, this novelty has not worn off for me but because it's something inherently human. We're all making sense of our world, processing internal and external events, and knitting helps us do this. In the rest of this series, I invite you to consider your relationship to knitting and making. In essay two, I'll look at the ways we use knitting to show love for our friends and family, and consider the ways that we honor our familial and historical traditions through our craft. Essay 2. We knit to care for our dearest. Have you ever heard the phrase, knitting is my love language? I assume, correct me if I'm wrong, that this is a riff off of the five love languages, a book about how humans express love written by Gary Chapman in 1995. The love languages, according to Chapman, are receiving gifts, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, and physical touch. I've thought about this a lot, Hello, hi, I am a huge nerd about knitting and feelings, in case you can't already tell. And while I think that the act of knitting falls into the camps of gift-giving and acts of service, I think it also deserves its own recognition. Because once you've made something, particularly knit or crocheted something by hand, you'll have an appreciation for what exactly went into that. Knitting is our love language. It's an enormous investment of resources, both materials and time. To earn a place in the heart of a knitter, to become a recipient of a knitted object is a pretty big deal. For most of us, this looks like prioritizing knitting for our dearest, our family members, partners, and chosen family. Some of us have beautiful traditions of honoring our family members and family histories with knitting and making. One such maker is James Davis, a spinner, dyer, and weaver from Colorado, who has spoken and written about his introduction to fiber and his reasons for making. James engages with fiber primarily to honor his mother's memory and build upon his family's woven language. He openly shares his use of fiber to process the grief of his mother's death and to continue on her legacy. Knitting objects, whether for yourself or someone you care about, is an act of devotion and dedication. As anyone who's ever knitted anything knows, it's often cheaper and definitely faster to buy something ready-made. But as makers, we know this is not the point. There's something much deeper to be gained by both the maker and the wearer, sometimes the same person, when we slowly and intentionally make by hand. In the next essay of this series, I'll discuss the ways we use fiber to care for and connect with our communities and to find our place in our physical and online communities. Essay 3, We Knit to Care for Our Communities. In an age when we are increasingly isolated and disconnected from each other, knitting provides a welcome social engagement, both online and off. My firsthand experience of this came when I moved from the USA to Australia I knew only one person, my former partner, and I'm a classically extroverted introvert, you know, capable of extroversion, but generally exhausted by it. Instagram became a critical tool for me to find other knitters and make my place in this new-to-me country. 
These connections turned to IRL friendships and led me to the fiber arts guild that exists in Australia. I found suddenly that I had friends spanning generations, which was the opposite of my everyday work life, where I mingled almost exclusively with other 20 to 30-somethings. The guild became a deeply important part of a move I made to Tasmania, where for two years I attended weekly meetings of the Handweavers, Spinners, and Dyers Guild, and made some of the closest friends I have, most of whom are 30-plus years my senior. It was there that I learned to spin wool for the time and caused a lot of scandal with my wool-knit knickers during one particular show-and-tell. In addition to the ways we find our communities in person and online, knitting plays an important role in creating dialogue amongst communities regarding socio-political and environmental issues. These projects are commonly known as craftivism, a term coined by Betsy Greer, and they range in size and scale and craft medium, but in general work to bring awareness within communities of important and or ongoing issues. Perhaps the most recognized of these is yarn bombing, a method of graffiti art employing yarn in the place of chalk or spray paint. Yarn bombers have created pieces with all sorts of motivations, from raising awareness of human-induced climate change, for example, warm, an installation piece created by Seam, the Sustainable Environmental Arts Movement, and largely facilitated by Georgie Nicholson of Tiki Knits, to simply aiming to put a smile on your face. Jane, also known as Queen Babs, is a prominent yarn bomber based in Redfern, New South Wales. I first met Jane when she love-bombed me, handing me a heart she crocheted with the message, you are loved, tied to it, offering me a hug. The more familiar I became with Jane's work, the more I appreciated it, the way she engages her community, both her craft community and her physical neighborhood. Her dedication to encouraging warmth and acceptance in Redfern is palpable. We engage with our communities through our craft, whether we mean to, yarn bombing, or not, knitting in public. Every time we knit in public, we invite our wider communities to consider what this act means, to consider their assumptions about who knits and why. We engage with our communities in so many ways when we craft. The next and final essay of this series... I explore our engagement with our physical environment through knitting. In other words, the intersection of environmental sustainability and craft. Essay 4. We knit to care for our planet. Perhaps the nexus within making I find most interesting and complex is that of sustainability and craft. This piece will just scratch the surface of this topic. To date, we've talked about the ways we care for ourselves, our families, and our communities through our craft, and my hope is that we've begun to go deeper into the why behind our making. My intentions... My intention with this series is to invite makers to consider their relationship to making through a broadening lens, beginning with the self and ending with the biggest possible lens, at least I think, unless interstellar making is a thing and I'm just not aware of it, our planet, the impact our craft has on it. Today, I'm going to focus on primarily on sustainability from an environmental perspective, though I think it is equally, if not more pressing, to consider the social and human sustainability perspective, but that's a whole other series in itself. Every time we choose to make something with our hands, we are subverting the cultural norm of convenience and instant gratification. This in itself is an act of defiance of an environmentally unsustainable model that is commonplace presently. 
I see this as such a beautiful vehicle for change. The joy that compels us to make has perhaps even unintended positive consequences of giving the maker time to consider their relationship to the environment and the object, among others. It's almost inevitable, too, that the deeper you go with making, the more you begin to understand and become curious about the whole process, how your base materials made their way to you, and how you might begin to make those materials yourself. For example, it is common for knitters to become interested in spinning, the production of yarn. This brings the maker even closer to the beginning of the supply chain. The closer we are to the beginning, the more control we have over the process and the more awareness and intentionality we can bring to sourcing materials and producing our own garments. Making our own clothing is a way of engaging with slow fashion. While buying ready-to-wear items is reality for almost everyone, makers are positioned uniquely to bring fashion closer to home. Whether that means knitting up a sweater for the upcoming winter, winter or learning to spin wool so that eventually you can knit a garment for you or a loved one. We have this opportunity to get curious with our craft, to really dig deeper and ask questions. Where did this yarn come from? What is the fiber content? Does it contain harmful chemicals or plastic? Somewhat shockingly, a lot of yarns do, but again, that's another conversation for another time. When we place a a lens of curiosity on our craft, we get a chance to go deeper and really ask the questions that mean something to us. And we get to decide how we want our values to shape our work. And that, I think, is a special and powerful place to be.